This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Malaysia celebrating its 64th Independence Day yesterday in a bit of a muted fashion. Even its newly minted Prime Minister Ismail Sabri Yaakob joining virtually in the midst of a quarantine after coming into close contact with a COVID-positive individual. So it comes at a bit of an unsteady time in Malaysia. COVID-19 infections showing no signs of slowing down. You've got a battered economy. You've got a bit of a fragile government as well. But in his address to the nation on Monday, Mr. Ismail Sabri called on his countrymen to remember that the country faced many challenges to achieve independence and build itself up afterwards, urging them not to lose hope. We've got a new cabinet that's set to be sworn in, so will Malaysia find its footing again? Elsewhere in Indonesia, the government has eased restrictions that were meant to stem the spread of the Delta variant of the coronavirus that resulted in a devastating wave of infections that saw Indonesia become Asia's coronavirus epicenter. Well, according to authorities, the infection rate in the capital, Jakarta, has dropped from a peak last month with more than 4 million cases and 131,000 fatalities overall. President Joko Widodo himself on Monday said the average bed occupancy rate in hotels nationwide had dropped to 27%. So that's good news. Official data showing that nearly 70% of Jakarta's 10 million population have been vaccinated. But inoculation rates are a little slower compared with other parts. On the line this morning, Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent for The Straits Times. Leslie, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Elliot. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, sorry, I was on leave. But yes. let's talk about this. Malaysia's Independence Day. I believe another way of saying it is Hari Kembangsan. Am I, am I right to say that? That's correct. Ah. That's correct. National Day. National, National Day, Day indeed. So the, the new PM, Ismail Sabri, urged citizens to cooperate with the vaccination program. Where immunizations are concerned, what's the latest update there? Well, you know, after a couple of miscues, the vaccination program is going well especially in the Klang Valley, you know, which contributes to something like 25%, if not more, of the annual GDP. We think that closer to this part of the, of the capital, we will see probably the area moving into phase two, which will allow a lot more latitude for ordinary relations. But I think there's still some gripes about, you know, they, they close major vaccination centers. So people believe that this vaccination program should go on mm. rather than, you know, leave it to the private sector, right? So there's still some crisis, but, you know, the real worries today in National Day are the spike in numbers of cases in in East Malaysia, yes. Sabah, uh, Sarawak and Sabah in particular. And that's going to be a concern. These are sprawling areas, ge- geographical locations where, you know, you've got small groups of people living in very, very remote areas. So getting to them for vaccination and all is going to be very, very difficult. So, mm. and that, that's an issue. It's a bit of, it's becoming a bit of a worry because of the way the numbers are spiking in these areas. Okay, well, Leslie, not to dive too much into details because it's a little bit complicated. I know where governance, uh, when we're talking about Sabah, Sarawak, it's a little bit different in that sense. That there's some level of, I don't know, initiative or, or independence, if I'm using the right words. And from what I understand, Sarawak is looking at sorting out its own booster shots. I mean, this mismatch in communication, what do you know of it? 
this has been going on for some time now, mm. ever mm-hmm. since the, the elections, you know. Sarawak has become a very important component in any ruling collision. So demands for greater autonomy are being heard now very often. And each time the federal government decides on a particular policy, you've got Sarawak mm. and also neighboring Sabah be saying that, look, we're going to decide on kind of measures, kind of countermeasures to this COVID uh, crisis on their own. So you're getting a bit of a mismatch, a bit of a disconnect between the state governments and the federal government. And that really is causing a bit of problems. Yeah. So ideally, you'd want you know some kind of synchronization. They need to recalibrate their relationship and especially when dealing with this with this health crisis you know politics aside i think they really need to do some recalibration on their relationship well that's kind of the job that uh, the new pm has on his hands before we get to details about his potential new cabinet there is a a pre-budget statement that's been released um, and it shows that the country's fiscal deficit for 2021 should hit a similar level to that that was seen during the global financial crisis more than a decade ago we knew this worry was on the horizon and and now it's on paper what do they have to do to get their economy on track apart from vaccination i think really all eyes are going to be on this new cabinet i think a bit disappointing is that the newly minted as you pointed out newly minted prime minister mm. ismail sabri yakob has very much largely turned to almost the same team of cabinet ministers that were under the Muhyiddin uh, Yassin government mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was that, that fell you know so really in terms of public sentiment whether we're going to see much change in policy that's that really is not not happening people think that you know with very much the same government you're going to get similar policies similar they're not going to change tack because i don't think uh, anyone wants to admit that they they were wrong yeah. so that's not a good sign and I think a lot, uh, a lot is going to be, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on the budget, given the government's very, very, still again, fragile majority, which is basically a three-seat majority. All you need is four people from any particular member of the ruling coalition, mm-hmm. even from AMLO, where there are a lot of misgivings over the, over the new prime minister too. That would result in a loss of vote of confidence, actually, you know. So really everything is fragile we're not uh, malaysia is not out of the woods in any sense of the way as far as the economy goes and really that's that's a problem this podcast is available on our audio app that's a-w-e-d-i-o like us and rate us and now back to our podcast episode yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of ignoring the fact that you know what happened in the previous administration is more of a case, for lack of better choice of words, Mohidin being a bit of a fall guy. That miscommunication or lack of communication, the failure to agree in Parliament, that was the whole problem as to, to why exactly. we see what we see. So, yeah, exactly. You know, that's what is happening now. And I don't think in any stretch of the imagination, any kind of, you know, when Ismail Sabri mm. uh, became Prime Minister, he did a political outreach to the opposition, but I don't think that ceasefire is going to work. That mm-hmm. ceasefire. So we're going to see bumpy time for Malaysian politics. It's not going to be pleasant. I think we're still back to business as usual, where politics is very much right on top of the national agenda. 
Yeah. And that's not going to change. Yeah, we could probably do an analysis. Who had a harder 100 days? Leslie, let's head over to Indonesia. Good news there. I mean, COVID-19 curbs starting to ease in some parts, specifically rather Jakarta and some of its surrounding cities. Outside the capital, though, what's the COVID situation looking like? Well, you know, the, the based on official pronouncements, clearly the the situation is improving, not just in Jakarta, but also in the Greater Jawa, uh, which is the most populous province actually, an island in Indonesia. But you know, places neighboring places like Bali remain still under high alert. That has not reduced and you know, given the tourist tourism aspect of the for Bali, I think uh, that's not good news. So but in Indonesia, in Jakarta, things clearly are moving. The vaccination program is doing well. Government hopes to reach some kind of herd immunity. I don't know whether that's really achievable at this point. We're seeing this that this health crisis is really going to be endemic, right? So I don't know how much um, the herd immunity is going to help with all these different variants and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but still, it is quite clear that Jakarta and the Indonesian government really is pushing to move to greater normalcy. They're talking about relaxation for a lot of businesses. And that already is happening in Jakarta. Mm. So I think for Indonesians, large number of them really need the economy to get back onto some kind of footing just to make ends meet. You know? So this is this clearly is a good sign. And Leslie, naturally, you can't help but take a look at the school situation there as well, just like in any part of the world. Quite a bit of concern where schools are uh, in focus. Elliot. You know, this this thing about schools, it is a really very touchy subject. You know, yeah. you know people want kids to get back to school. Yes. You know, parents need them because parents need to work. But also, I think the, the big issue here is that why people need to get to school, especially in places like, populous places like Indonesia, Philippines, is because once kids stop going to school for mm. a while, they tend to drop out, you know. Mm, yes. And this is a real issue. And if for for countries where you know where you really need to uh, stress on education, so I don't think you can afford this prolonged lockdowns of schools. So it's that thing that you have to weigh, you know, with with this crisis, you know, on just taking precautions but getting life back into normalcy. So it really is a hard it's a hard balance, and I don't think any government any any prime minister, any president really can have the answers to all of this. It, it is always going to be a work in progress. You learn as you go. And that's what I think countries around the region and elsewhere are grappling with. It. Yeah, I think you bring up an absolutely brilliant point, Leslie, because going to school represents a potential for you to break your own financial cycle where your family exactly. is concerned. It can have a heavy impact on the law as well, you know, because, like you said, they drop out. Great conversation. Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent for The Straits Times, with me this morning. Leslie, thank you for your time as always. You take care and stay safe. Thank you, Liz. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.